said that reading makes you more empathetic. It's a way to escape your life. It can take you to faraway lands and it can put you in other people's shoes. It also keeps your brain healthy and reduces stress. It helps you sleep better and it can inspire you. So today we're going to find out how Jim Christina's book, Jefferson's Chance, can inspire you. Don't go away. We will be right back. If you are just joining us, welcome to the Writer's Corner live show. I'm your host, Bridgette Limbanda from Cape Town in South Africa, and our stream today is made possible by Creative Edge, StreamYard, and BeLive Media, helping you make meaningful connections with our authors. We are um, live on Amazon, Amazon Live. We're live on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, and also over on LinkedIn. And a shout out to Tish, who's watching us on Amazon Live already. Welcome to the show. It is an audience-centric show, so if you say hello to us, if it's the first time you're watching, the Brightest Corner Live show has been going for over three years. I cannot believe it's been that long. And I've actually got an, the most amazing uh, collection of books that you will see on um, in the carousel if you are watching on Amazon Live. Uh, the very first book is our interview for today, Jefferson's Chance by Jim Christina. But three years you rack up so many interviews with authors and so if you just scroll through the carousel if you are watching us on amazon live you will see a great selection of books and many of these authors have been on the show before um, a lot of these books are currently offered at a discount on amazon live so definitely go have a look at the books there and we obviously do want to encourage you to have a look at our featured author's book today, um, Jim Christina and Jefferson's Chance. And yes, Tish, where has the time gone? I can't believe it's already three and a half years. But before we invite Jim onto the show, um, I do want to first say hello to my friend and co-host, Mary Elizabeth Jackson. She's a special needs and disabilities advocate and also an award-winning author herself. Her latest release, which you'll also find in the carousel, is called Cheers from Heaven, which is co-written with Thornton Klein. It helps families deal with bullying and it educates young people about the effects that this may have. So please go and check out that book as well. Mary's in Nashville in the USA and so it'd be great to know I'm Cape Town in South Africa. Hey, we're global. So let us know where you are joining us from. And with that, Mary, welcome to the show. Hi. 
I'm so happy to be here and we are global and our author is from west of me. He is out west literally from where I live, which is kind of cool because his book is out west too, right? But we're so excited to have him because it, you know it's a real honor, all these interviews that we've had over the years and all the authors we've met. It's just been absolutely an amazing journey. I'm so glad we decided to take this chance together and, and do this. And we've got a lot of really cool things to look forward to coming up. And um, But you know, it's fun when we get to interview people that have uh, multiple roles that they play. And I always find that really fascinating and, you know, what made them want to do what they're doing and what drives them to do what they're doing. And, you know, did they just fall into it? Because we've we've met authors who just kind of fell into what they're doing. You know, it wasn't even intention. And then we've met authors who this is their life and their complete intention. And uh, this is what they do. You know, that's what they do in their life. So it's really it's it's just it's really amazing to share people, share these authors and publishers and illustrators with our audience. Absolutely. And Jim Christina is no um, exception. He has he sure is a man with many hats. He's an author, a publisher, a musician, a playwright, poet and a generally all round nice guy. So shall we invite him onto the show? Absolutely. Hi. 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 Hello, ladies. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. How are you? I'm so excited because everyone, this is my publisher. I am. I am good. I am good. I am. I'm alive and kicking. And as I told Brigetti before the show started, I'm. It, this is very early for me, but well, not real early, but it's the earliest interview I think I've ever had. Well, and let's blame that on the time change because well, if it had been two either. weeks ago, two weeks ago, it would be an hour later. So we'll just. Well, that's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> and I suppose it probably could have been 7.30 or 6.30, but it's not. So right, I'm happy with that. Right. Yeah. And this is totally different for you because your show is uh, radio. And it so, is radio. It is live yeah. radio. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. So it's totally seven years show. almost. Oh, congratulations. Wow. Yeah, we've been on the air seven years. We've got right now, we're over 600,000 listeners. Oh, my gosh. It's so oh, funny. my goodness. That we'll is so, that. It's, like, it's like we tell everybody, it's not a schlock radio show. <laughs> wow, that is, that is amazing. And I want to just also give a huge big shout out to um, Hamad, who's watching, who's watching us. He is has been an amazing supporter of the show. So, um, Hamad, a big welcome and a shout out to you. This is—he's a young YouTuber doing amazing things. Yeah. Um, so, a warm welcome to you to the show, and a, wel a welcome to Tish again over on on uh, Amazon Live. Jim, how did you? I'm always curious to know how people got started. Um, as an author, you know, I mean, you're doing so many things. You're a publisher, you're a poet. Where did your love 
for words come from? You know, what was your inspiration? Was it something your parents inculcated in you? Or was it something that you just loved from a young age? I've, I've, I've always been a reader, a, a big reader. And my mother pushed reading when I was a kid. Um, and we, um, we decided that early age, um, in probably seventh grade, I think, I believe it was, um, we started a, a short story club. And we had like four or five guys and we all wrote short stories and then the mothers would rotate and read them and grade them. And so mm -hmm. I, I started learning how to write about 12 or 13 years old. And then it kind of dropped out and I picked up the guitar and I started playing the guitar. And then I started writing my own music when I was 17, 18. And I, I became a full-time, not a full-time, you never give up your day job, much like a writer. But uh, we, were, we were professional full-time musicians, if you say that with a grain of salt and a smirk on my face. Um, but we played all over the Northwest and um, we had a great band. And, um, and then it's, it's, you know, for other reasons, you know, bands break up and, and they go on their own way, but you know, all of the, the poetry and all of the, the lyrics that I wrote um, came from experience, came from the heart, came from whatever. And um, they're now in a book, a standalone book called that's all you get. Um, it's uh, published under on, on Tuscany Bay Books, and it's it's doing very well, actually, for a poetry book. I was very surprised that people really like it, but I think they can relate to a lot of the stuff in it. Um, but then when I was like, I'm, I'm, golly, I'm, I'm, 2008, maybe, 2009, I, I, this character had been rolling around in my head for a long time, and, and I decided to sit one day down and, and write a book and write his story, which I did, and it's called The Hunter. And from there, it branched out to 13 books with this character in it. Um, and along the way, there, I added characters. We killed off characters. We did, you know, how, you know, series go. Um, so now we're two characters left, uh, Jeff Stryker and uh, Taggart Richmond, who is the hunter. Uh, and I'm, actually, I'm writing now the 14th book in the series. Um, it's going to, it's, it's called the long, long, let's uh, see, a long time to midnight. And, um, it's uh, it's. I'm not going to tell anything about the story because last time I did that, it got all over the place. So I'm just going to be very quiet about it now. But it's a really good story so far. Um, but you know, then I I decided that we could, you know, getting a publisher, traditional publisher, is really tough. Um, so I started Black Dog Books, Black Dog Publishing, and then uh, Richard was on our show. Richard Paulinelli, my business partner and uh, and co-owner of Tuscany Bay, I had put together his own publishing company, Tuscany Bay Books. So um, at lunch one day over margaritas and chips and salsa and fajitas, we merged the two companies. And that was uh, seven years ago. And um, since then, we've become a pretty good, pretty good, I, I think a fairly good publisher as far as, as, far as books go. And uh, we definitely, definitely have a really good imprint in, in Tuscany Bay Books. And it's becoming very well known. So um, that's a long story short, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was just listening to you how you know Tuscany Bay books came about I was thinking of a post that I saw on on uh, LinkedIn just a couple of days ago and somebody was saying you know everybody talks about b2b business b2c business and he's and you know and I said well how about human to human because <laughs> that's what it's all about that's um, how things happen right you know yeah when you yeah I mean it was a chance meeting where Richard was booked on our show and um, he came in and, and um, then he was booked again and he became a co-host on our show. 
And we just, I mean, it was just an obvious, it was just a really natural thing to combine the two companies. It's um, good when you can find somebody that you work really well with. Like Virginia right. and I work really well together. And right. And like Thornton and Klein and I as writers, you know, we work really well together creatively. And, you know, that that's important. Uh, obviously, it either makes or breaks what you're doing. Um, it, it is. It is. Yeah. But you know, we uh, Richard is uh, Richard designs the covers. He does a lot of the covers and the, and the initial read. And then I go through a format and I'll read through again. Um, normally, I don't read through for editing the first time only because especially when somebody said, well, the book's been edited. Okay, um, you know, but that's not always the case, and and so we, you know, we catch a lot of stuff, and the authors go back and they catch a lot of stuff, and that's why it, you know it, it's it's not a two week process, and you know, getting a book out is months long, and mm-hmm. and a lot of writers don't get that, you know, they they think they're going to cha-ching in their pocket, you know, within two weeks of writing the book, and if they give up their day job and expect they're going to make money writing, good luck with that, right? <laughs> Unless you you're John have- Sanford. Right. Yeah. You can't, you can't go into it for that reason. You have to no. go into it for the love of it. Right. And, you know, and I will say my experience and Thornton's experience with you and Richard has been um, just top, you know, we have a great relationship. We do. You know, we have a relationship with you and this is, you know, Brigetti, this is something really important for people out there searching for a publisher. If you want to go traditional or you want to find a boutique publisher or things like that, you know, you need to find somebody you have a good relationship with that, that you're not going to be a number in a queue um, that you can have one on one conversations and really feel like what you're doing is right. they care about and is more than a dollar sign. Because when it comes down to it and Jim will probably agree with me, you know, this whole is a whole transaction between an author and a publisher and a publisher looks at an author just like a music producer does and says, how much money are you going to make me? Or right. are you going to be more than a one hit wonder? Or do you have a series in you or more than one book? And that that's the, I guess, the reality harshness of the business. But it's also something you need to be aware of and don't go in like what Jim's talking about with, I'm going to write a book and two weeks later, I'm going to have some royalty check and can sit around and eat bonbons or travel or do whatever I want. Right. It, right. it doesn't work like that. It's, it's no. a totally different thing. And it is a super long process. So you do want to have a good working relationship with your publisher, you know, right. uh, it really helps because there is a lot of creative uh, banter that goes back and forth and suggestions and things that maybe somebody doesn't really like, you know, and then you got to learn how to compromise and it, and it's a good, it's a good lesson to teach you how to work with other people and right. be able to, uh, you know, make that work. But I want right. you to touch on, um, I want you to touch on the radio show that you do because, you know, Jetty introduced you and we know you have all these hats, but the next hat that you wear is, you know, you have a radio show. You talk show host. Seven, talk show host for seven years. Right. Right. Um, it's a, it's a show we do on uh, LA talk radio live every Thursday at 6 PM Pacific. We talk to authors of all kinds. Um, we have had musicians, we have had playwrights, we have had, um, biographers, we've had picture book writers, we've had uh, novelists, we've had just about everyone who writes uh, poets, we've had them on the show. Um, And, you know, we learn as much as they do. And our show is geared towards new writers. So we we try to get as much information out of these writers as we can during the course of 50 minutes. And our show is 50 minutes long. And of course, we we speak up about four or five minutes with Banal Banner at at, at the beginning in the top. Uh, usually run two or three commercials and, and the rest of the time is the writers. Um, we'll talk about anything they want to talk about. 
Uh, awesome. Sometimes it's po- um, yeah. Sometimes it's uh, by pulling teeth to get information out of some of these yeah. guys. But but uh, know. you know, I don't want to give up my secrets. You know, what secret is that? You're a writer. <laughs> Everybody does the same thing. You know? <laughs> oh my goodness me! So talk about, a little bit about Jefferson's chance. You know, what was oh. the inspiration behind Jefferson's um, chance? Uh, Jefferson's Chance. I, I, you know, I, I wrote a book right before Jefferson's Chance called um, Jonah Blue. Jonah Blue was an entire dream that I had one night. I woke up and I remembered the entire story. So I wrote, I wrote the book in just, I mean, record time. It just was there. Um, but it's a standalone. And then I wanted to write another standalone. I wanted to get away from the hunter for a while and write another Western book that had some meaning to it. And, and, and I wanted to follow a profession of a, of a young man um, that was handicapped that wanted to be a Texas Ranger. And so that idea came and by talking it over with my wife, who actually is the producer of my show as well. Um, she's the one that came up with the title Jefferson's chance, because um, it was his chance to be a Ranger after he got, uh, he had a leg designed by a guy who designed a drawbridge or a, a suspension bridge. So it, it acted just like a real leg. And it was the only way he was going to get in the Rangers if he could grow a new leg. Well, he can't obviously grow any leg. But this guy, Thomas Griffith, who is a real guy, designed this leg for him that worked just like a real leg. And by the time he got back to the town to show the captain of the Texas Rangers how well it worked, it was you couldn't even tell he was had a fake leg. So they gave him a chance. And so it was Jefferson's chance. And, wow. Uh, and uh, he um, he's a brand new ranger, and he believes in the, the the credo of the rangers. He believes in their moral turpitude, and he believes in, in how they do their business. And so he sets off in search of these two guys, and and in the in the interim meets up with an old retired tech, not retired, but somebody who had been a Texas ranger that is now a city marshal, and they're looking for the same two people. So they hook up, and they go, and their adventures really start on horseback between Austin, Texas and San Antonio. And that's where the story really, really, really starts. Um, Caleb Stringfield is the guy's name and he and Jefferson, um, Caleb is, is reluctant to go. He, Caleb's had his time in the Rangers. He just doesn't really want to do it anymore. But Jefferson is 23 years old and, you know, I suppose full of piss and vinegar, wants, wants to do a good job. His father was a Ranger. He's a Ranger. And um, the story just just goes from there and they follow adventure to adventure to adventure. Um, and once they find the two guys, unfortunately that one of the guys is still alive and, and they, uh, they've been attacked by Comanches and they've taken his hair. They've, they've shot him full of arrows, but he's still around. And he says, they're just going to let him die. And he says what they have, they have children. They took children. Okay. Well now the Ranger Credo says, Nope, got to go after him. We have to get the children back. That's part of the Rangers' creed. So Caleb says, well, I'm not going. I mean, you know, I've done that. That's, that's, yeah. So, says, so Jefferson says, okay, have a nice day. And, and somebody, Caleb catches up to him and says, you know, you're going to get me killed, right? You know, <laughs> that kind of a conversation. But uh, they, then they, and they follow these Comanches until the, the final showdown in the, about three quarters of the way through the book. But, um, and the rest of the book is taken up with uh, Caleb taking Jefferson back to his mother's ranch. Because he has been killed in the fight. I love this story. I love it. I, I've read it, and um, Jim and I laugh because my mother read it, and yeah. she she is, um, 
how do I put it politely? Uh, <laughs> she's just a real critic of books. She's read so many books in her life. She started, she has done some editing work. She's doing some editing work now. And she found one typo in all of Jim's book. She was just so excited about that. And um, she, it's, his book is absolutely one of her favorites. And she has read, I, I can't even tell you how many books my mother has read. She is a very avid reader and a snob about books and the, the correct English pronunciation and edits and where things should be punctuations and everything. So yeah, she's a big fan of gems. So I, I think we'd love for you to read for us, wouldn't we, Brigetti? Uh There's a couple of spots in here that I, I think would be um, appropriate. Um, there is, of course, the opening, the opening page, um, but there's also um, the, the completion of the fight with the Comanches. And, and that is, um, that's pretty tough. That's that's a hard that's a hard thing to do. So I think I'll go back to the first part of the page. But um, this is the, the prologue. I'm sorry. That'll be great. Yeah, this is the prologue. Um, it's only going to be. A, I'll just do like a page and a half, and then we're we're done. Um, this is the prologue to Jefferson's Chance. The boy lay perfectly still as the doctor fidgeted with his right leg. The rattlesnake bite had ravaged his lower leg and become septic with the poison. As the doctor felt around the ruined flesh, he still looks at the boy's mother, standing somewhat behind and wringing a piece of towel torn from his visit. The medical certainties of a snake bite were extremely limited in 1863, even after his mother sucking out a good deal of the poison. The doctor at this juncture had not many options but to allow the bite to become gangrenous, quickly affecting the other leg, promoting certain death, or to remove the leg about four inches down from the knee. It was a terrible decision for any family to make, especially this one, having lost his father and or lost the father and husband only three months before. Standing back from the boy, knowing the handyman, the laudanum was going to wear off very soon, the doctor presented the mother with the option. He saw right then, I ain't saying it's a cure-all, but I'm telling you, I don't take that leg and soon that boy's going to suffer something terrible before he dies from the poison in his system. Sobbing softly, the mother sat heavily in a chair pulled from the heavy oaken table at the far end of the room. He got a chance to take the leg, she asked quietly. Better than if he don't, replied the doctor. I do this. I'm going to need your help with the boy. Meaning? You're going to have to hold him. Oh, I'm, I'm going to give him something, but it ain't going to be enough so as he don't feel, said the doctor. It's purely simple to you, doctor. Simple enough to take my boy's leg, but it ain't that purely simple to me, said the mother rising from her chair and walking to the pallet in the middle of the room. Taking a deep breath, she looked at the doctor. Well, if we're to get this done, I expect we best get do it, getting to it. And that's first page and a half of the book. And I, I, um, I, when I was writing that, I couldn't imagine being 10 years old and losing half a leg to a snake bite. No. No, so. not at, not at all. I mean, at that at that age, you know, you want to be running around, skipping and jumping, and doing stuff and playing friends, and you know, just the whole prospect um, of of losing all of that, you know. And then there's the huge recovery process after. It's a big deal, you know. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. Any age, but for well, a wanted, boy, wow. I wanted to show the opening of the angst of his mother. Having just lost her husband, now she if she doesn't do anything, if she doesn't take this leg, her boy is going to die. And that's just the bottom line of it. So that's Very a decision that she has to make. And like the doctor says, if you don't, he's going to suffer something terrible before he dies of the poison. 
Yeah, it's really sad. What an awful decision for a mother, you know, to to have to make such a life altering uh, decision. Right. For well, I know in South Africa, you guys have some pretty nasty snakes too. We do. <laughs> yes, we do, and not my favorite thing. I must, I must be brutally honest. I am, I'm scared of snakes. Snakes, snakes and rats and mice are not my favorite things in life. Oh, I, I hate animals. I, I hate snakes. You know, when I, I a real quick story. When I was in Vietnam, um, I was the first and ninth cavalry. I was a, a what they call the cavalry of. Uh, blues you're a, the, the, the combat squadron out of a helicopter company and we were pulling in over some elevator grass one day to jump out of the bird and i looked down and there was this king crowbar sticking up over the top of the grass looking around now this grass was eight feet tall so how big do you figure that snake was big i wouldn't get out of the helicopter i, I said no that i'm not getting out could you and, could you just shoot it I mean, was there? A well, somebody movie? did finally, oh, but okay. you know, they they travel in pairs. They have, you yeah. know, they mate and they mate for life. Yeah. Oh, and so, where he was or she was, you know, the mate wasn't far behind. Well, somebody else found that too. But the thing is, a snake that big, holy crap! Yeah, I'd be eating you for lunch. I mean, bigger than me. Yeah. You know. Oh my gosh. So it was a it was a good sized snake, but at any rate, I don't like snakes either. Uh, Brigetti, I, no, that's not no. my that's not my favorite thing. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty scary experience, and not one yeah. that um, that one would want to invite into your life, um, and you know, un, unwanted. Tell us a little bit. You know, we. So, Jim, because you you're also a musician. Yes. Um, I wrote music. Uh, well, I I started out, of course, surf music. That was in like the early '60s. You know, electric guitar and wailing and reverbs and echoes and, you know, the whole nine yards. Um, had a real a three-band combo called the um, the Cavaliers. And, and uh, then when I got into high school, I, I ran into a friend of mine who, he liked the acoustic vocal music. And so I thought, wow, that's really cool. And then, of course, Paul Simon came out in 1965. And, and uh, I boy, I switched real fast. I got myself an acoustic, got rid of the electric and... And started writing music, and and you know the more you write, the better you get. It's just like a writer; the more the more you write, the better you get. Well, the more music you write, the better you get at it. And you know you follow other things. You look at chord patterns, and before you're done, um, you know I I wrote some music, and then I didn't for a long time. And then probably in 1979, I want to say I really got back into it again and started up another group called uh, Sundown. And we traveled all over the Northwest. We we were, I mean, we were a three-piece, sometimes four, sometimes five, just depending on who was available. Um, core group was three pieces, uh, two guitars, well, three guitars, and sometimes a bass player. And um, we did uh, harmonic guitar, which is uh, you play um, guitars in harmony, uh, much like your voices. So it, it comes out, you're never muddled. Everything has got a place and everything is in that place. And uh, we were, I wrote, well, I wrote most of the music for the group and, and we just were really popular at the time. Of course, then everything goes away, you know, vocal acoustic music goes away and, you know, now it's rap or hip hop or whatever they're calling it. But uh, yeah. I, I did that for a number of years and then I did a solo for a number of years and, and a friend of mine, um, he and I played together for a long time. He's now a musician in uh, Wisconsin. He's got uh, several albums out. He's uh, the, the guy is phenomenal. 
His name is Rick Gilman. In fact, he wrote the opening music to our show. Um, and, Wonderful. Um, yeah, yeah. And he, he was kind enough to give us the copyright. He gave us the piece of music. He gave us everything. And the music is called Buffalo Grass. You can actually still find it on Amazon if um, you want to go search for it. It's Rick Gilman, R-I-C. I'll definitely go have a look. And yeah. uh, Buffalo Grass is the name of the music, and that now belongs to uh, 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 the writer's block. So that wonderful, Jim. We've got yeah. to wrap up, but yeah. uh, I just okay. want to ask you: know, the cover of your book, if you can maybe hold up the book, is a the cover is stunning. Yes, Who beautiful. Designed, I want to just put you on full screen there. Who designed that cover? Because it's my a wife did stunning cover. My wife designed this cover, um, and it kind of tells the whole story of the book. Right, it does. She did a good job. I love it. And um, she uh, she does. She's. I mean, she's a phenomenal artist, and she's got a great eye for stuff. And she's a she's a hell of an editor. I might add. Uh, your mother will attest. <laughs> well, maybe we can put them together, right? They can. They can. Yeah, she, I tell you, my wife Jerry. She, she she's the comma queen. If I miss a comma, she's sure to put it in there, and it's always in very dark red. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Jim, can you do us a favor? Look, I know we have to wrap up, but as sure. a publisher, can you uh -huh. give one tip to folks who want to find a publisher, um, you know, who are searching, who, you know, how to write a really great book and submit it? You know, I know that's a whole show right there. Right. If you could give like one tip. Um, if, if you want to submit a story for publishing, you have to go through the same thing as you'd have to do with a big publisher with Tuscany Bay. You have to submit a manuscript. You have, there's a, um, a submission page on our website, TuscanyBayBooks.com. You can go in there and you can fill that out and we tell you what to send us. It's, I mean, don't send us the entire book. I don't want the entire book. I want to read the first two or three chapters. And we'll see if it's going to be something we're going to be interested in. We're not interested in everything. So right. it's going to depend. But if you're looking for a boutique, I think we're your publisher. I, I think, honestly, I think that we're, we're your people. Right. Yep. I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll be pat myself in the back. Yeah, pat yourself in the back. I'll join I did. You and just and make sure, you know, when you're turning something in to submit it, that you've really had some good editing done on it. Because that's... That'll really get it thrown out the door, won't it? Yep. Well, thrown out the door or thrown back to the author. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've done, we're working on three, four, five books right now. Um, only one have I sent back to the author for corrections. But he's a brand new writer, so he needs to learn. And I, I gave him hints in his emails and stuff. So he's picking it up, but he's, you know, um, he's, he's, he's good. He's good. He's an he's a ex-soldier. And um, he's he's disabled, so he's just he's trying writing. So I figured, what the hell? Why not yeah. help him out? Right. And thank you for your service. I meant to tell you that we just got done oh. with Veterans Day this last week. So thank you very yep. much for your service. You're welcome. Well, it's just amazing to um, have spoken to you, and you know, congratulations on this book. It's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful story. It is and, a good story. Uh, it is a good story, and uh, your Kudos to your wife for having done a great job on the editing there. Oh, thank you. I'll, I'll let her know. And real quick, real, I mean, I don't want to take up any more of your time. So, Jim, um, thank you so, so much. Oh, wait. Uh, Jonah Blue is available, um, is being used in colleges right now in their history courses. Um, it's about oh, mountains. Wow. So, so if a, um, it's about if you're interested in reading Jonah Blue, it's, it's about mountain men. And um, 
it, it takes a young boy and takes him from mountain man to a, a guide of discovery and then into a rancher in Montana. So it covers 30 years of his life. Well, so. what I've done is, you know, um, Tish wants to know if Tish is watching us over on Amazon Live and she wants to know if Jefferson's Chance is available on audio yet, Jim? Uh, no, it, we, we, uh, Jefferson's Chance is being worked on for audio um, by Henry Park. It is not done yet, as of yet. It's, it's a tough buck to do, so Henry's having a little bit of problems with it, but he, he'll finish it. Um, other than that, no. Okay, hundred percent. So what I've done is I've done I've actually put both both books uh, in the description for the show with their links to Amazon. So if you're watching the show um, on the replay, the links to both books are in the description um, right. for the broadcast. So go and get go and grab a copy on Amazon. And as Jim just said, the audiobook is being worked on. It'll it'll be released at some point in the future. Yep. But thank you very much. Um, again, My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. It was, it was fun. It was fun. Good. Thank, Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Thank You're you welcome. You're welcome. You ladies have a great day. Thanks very much. And thank you to our audience. Uh, whether you've caught the show live now or going to be watching on the replay, thanks for watching. And until next week, we'll see you back on another episode of the Writer's Corner Live Show. Take care and stay safe, everyone. Mm -hmm.